Hey, this is Matt Rosenberg, and you're listening to The Night Nerd. Welcome to the Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Friday, so we're going to talk about what you want to talk about. And we're going to talk about that with a very special guest, um, my friend Trey. He works at UMC, which is one of our local hospitals. He's there on the front lines. And I wanted to have him on to talk about a little more of the scientific side of masks and their importance. What it is they do, uh, the pros and cons. Hopefully, we can debunk a few myths people have and... Maybe, maybe you'll learn a few things, you know. This week, we've looked at, you know, what is a cowl versus a mask. That was educational. Jill, on yesterday's show, she explained the testing process and everything. So it's been a really informative week. And I hope that when it's done, you've learned a little something. Um, your life is better and hopefully healthier and safer. So without further ado, here we go. All right, we're here with Trey Morris. Trey, how are you doing today, sir? Good, how are you doing, Lance? Doing well. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for doing this, taking time out of your day to come talk to us about uh, masks and the importance of them. Tell the folks at home why, what it is you do and why we have you here. So I'm an emergency physician at uh, UMC in Lubbock, and I'm also the residency director of the emergency medicine training program at Texas Tech. That's awesome. So you're one of those front lines. Uh, the, we hear the news and everybody talk about you. You see it. You're in the thick of it. Yes. So all week on the show, we've been talking about masks and we've kind of had a lighthearted tone about it in the sense of, oh, hey, here's some cool video game mask. Oh, look at all these horror movies with masks. Batman wears a mask, you know, just just stuff like that. But it it's a lot more serious than that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's incredibly serious, and it's, it's a little surprising that such an easy intervention that is the single most important thing we can do to get back to normalcy has met so much resistance. Yeah. So my first question, uh, you, you kind of already answered it, but yes or no, mask? Absolutely, yes. yes. Absolutely, yeah. So it's... In, the, in this era that we're in of the internet scholar and the expert on everything, I think it's kind of interesting how many people who are scientists, and I'm using air quotes, which is horrible for a podcast, but I'm using air, air quotes. They don't understand the scientific method. You know, how we try something, it doesn't work. We try something, it doesn't work. We try something, you know, and you just go back and forth on that. Um, can you speak to the whole, well, they didn't tell us to wear a mask at first, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the underlying issue is a lot broader than just the scientific method. The underlying issue is how people approach knowledge and reality. And do they have an authoritative mindset or do they have a mindset that science is actually full of doubt and false starts? The advantage of science is that it's self-correcting and that given enough time, given enough experiments, we will get to the truth. It doesn't mean we always start out with the right hypothesis, but because we're testing those hypotheses, we can get to where we need to be. And so there's some dispute as to whether the initial recommendations against wearing masks were based more in science or more in policy. And the policy, of course, being that we had extreme shortages of PPE 
and they wanted to preserve PPE for people that were most exposed, those frontline workers in the hospitals uh, who were at the greatest risk of contracting COVID from exposure to patients. Um, there's several different types of masks. Uh, you know, there's respirators, there's N95s, there's surgical masks, there's cloth masks. And when we're talking about wearing a mask, generally what we're talking about is wearing a cloth mask. When the N95 and surgical masks are usually not needed um, for your day-to-day -day out in public activities. And so the problem is people say, oh, well, this offers this much protection. Well, this offers this much more protection. So I'm going to go on Amazon and buy all the N95 masks I can. And those people who are actually exposed to known COVID patients, hospitals just did not have the supplies. And so I, I don't know myself whether it was uncertainty over the science or just they deliberately said, this is something that we're not recommending to the public because we want to preserve the supplies for our frontline healthcare workers. Yeah, I mean, we saw how people reacted with toilet paper and that we didn't need, to, I mean, no more than you normally need toilet paper. You know, this is a respiratory thing and everybody's like, oh, I got to get my Charmin. So yeah, I'd, I'd heard that about the kind of shortages in supply and demand because um, people, people are crazy. One thing about the mask, you talk about the different types of masks. An argument I've seen come up in my friends' circles a lot. So I, I am pro-mask, just for the listeners to, to preface. Um, I am going to ask a couple of devil's advocate questions just because that's, you know, those are the things we need to address to educate those people. You know, you can sit here and talk all you want, but they're going to have their concerns. So I have a beard. A lot of my friends have beards. A lot of my friends have, like, majestic beards. And they complain about how it's not, it doesn't form an actual seal around your mouth. Uh, what's, what's the true and falseness to the I have a beard argument? And so uh, specifically to the I have a beard argument, the, I think in order to answer that fully, I, I need to take a little bit of a digression to some of the other arguments, if that's okay. Yeah, have at it. One of the things I see that's been labeled the Schrodinger's mask argument uh, in reference to Schrodinger's cat, it's both alive and dead, is how the mask is apparently strong enough to keep out oxygen and yet worthless against keeping out viruses, which are literally orders of magnitude larger than oxygen. Yeah, and so, I saw the uh, COVID's like 250 times the size of an oxygen, or somewhere yeah, around that number. Yeah, which is still vanishingly small and um, small enough to quote-unquote fit through the fibers in the mask. But the issue is viruses don't travel on their own they are almost always carried on respiratory droplets. And so is it, is it impossible? No, and in some cases there may be some exposure there, um, but the vast, vast majority of exposures are carried on respiratory droplets. So if you can just shield your face from the respiratory droplets that other people are spewing out as they talk and sing and cough, et cetera, uh, you're decreasing the likelihood of your exposure considerably. And conversely, if you can shield your droplets from getting to other people, you're doing uh, a tremendous service by diminishing their likelihood of catching, um, of being actually exposed to the infectious particles. So whether you have an airtight seal around your beard is less of a relevant question than does the mask keep the droplets from flying out or from getting onto your mucous membranes? And the answer is even with a beard, even with a, uh, just a piece of cloth over your face that's nowhere near form-fitting or particularly tight, you're still doing good. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing I, I was curious about. Another thing is I, 
I try not to go out, but I have to go to the grocery store. Um, we try to do the pickup, but the quality of produce and meat we got was just laughable. So I was like, okay, I'll go in the store. The I wear a mask that doesn't cover my nose, like the the literal mouth mask. Um, is that still half as good? I mean, is that better than nothing, or should you just not wear a mask at all at that point? I, I would say it's it's certainly better than nothing. Um, one of the things that's theorized is that at least to some degree, your severity of illness may be related uh, to the dose uh, that you were exposed to, essentially. And so if you're exposed to a large um, number of infectious particles, your illness may be more severe. And so by diminishing the dose by covering your mouth um, is better than not covering anything. Okay. Uh, so in order to get maximal effectiveness, you should cover your mouth and nose, both for protection for yourself and for others. Um, but I think, you know, shaming people for wearing masks that don't cover their nose is highly counterproductive. Okay. Yeah. Cause like when I go and you see people wearing the chin strap, you know, that doesn't cover anything. I'm like, you're, you're hurting the cause. Yeah, that, that's probably not doing anything. Yeah. It's, I, you know, well, and, and, and in fact, it may be harmful because it makes you feel like you're doing something. Yeah. And in fact, what you're doing is, is, is nothing at all. Yeah. It's like, you, it's part of your t-shirt at that point or whatever. It just, it, it, you may take more risks. You may be a little bit more lax with exposing other people because you feel, oh, I'm good. I'm wearing a mask. But in reality, you're not. Yeah. Um, another thing you kind of hit on it a second ago as far as the oxygen going in and out, which I, I'm the same way. When I first heard that argument, I was like, I'm no rocket surgeon, but like virus molecules and air molecules sizes. But the the whole not being able to breathe um, we've seen or i've seen countless doctors and nurses hook themselves up to machines that show that they don't lose oxygen um i i, I mean i'm sure there are a percent a small percentage of people who do experience problems with that but you know you're in the er even before this you wore mask all day what um if any for the masses the majority of people are the risk of wearing a mask, if any? There's, there's essentially none. Um, a lot of people will have maybe some anxiety over it. Uh, if people are prone to claustrophobia, this may bring it out a little bit. Um, but even patients with COPD or asthma or other lung conditions, it, it doesn't impact uh, your ability to, to exchange gases. Um, now, should you do heavy aerobic exercise wearing a respirator or wearing a N95? Well, that's probably not going to be comfortable. But for the cloth or surgical masks that are recommended, it's, it's not going to have any uh, perceptible impact on, on your ability to either inhale oxygen or get rid of carbon dioxide. Yeah, I, I read an article about a kid. I say kid, he was like 21. That's, that's a kid to me. He was an Olympic athlete and he, and he had asthma and he wore a mask and ran, you know, a, a 10 K race with the mask the whole time. And it was because of his asthma. Like it, it didn't help him, but you know, he wanted to keep all the pollen and stuff out of his face. And so if, if somebody can do that, yeah, they're an athlete, but Joe Schmo, when he goes in to grab his Coors Light, uh, you know, he can wear, wear a mask. I feel like, but it's, it's, it's certainly, um, 
I think it's one of those um, situations where if you don't want to do something, then any excuse will do, uh, rather than it being a conclusion that was reached based on a, a balancing of the evidence. Yeah. So uh, if, if you are one of those small few who has a medical condition, again, I'm using the air quotes here, you know, and you can't wear a mask, should they be out in a pandemic anyway? Oh, I, I would say if you're, if you're so frail that wearing a mask is enough to take you out of commission, you're really not going to like having COVID. Um, and so, no, you should be isolating. You should be doing grocery delivery. You should not be seeing any human beings whatsoever. Because if your condition is such that having a mask on is going to cause you significant distress, you, you will not do well. Uh, if you were to actually catch the virus, most likely. So with that, if someone catches the virus, when someone catches the virus, what is that process on your end? Like, let's say I come in and I say, hey, Trey, I, <clears throat> I'm not feeling great. Uh, you, you know, I, I, get, I get the test. Um, well, for, I guess let's start with the, the testing process because I've heard different ways of that. So, so the testing, there are several different types of testing. Usually in the acute phase, when you develop symptoms in the first several days, they're going to do uh, either an antigen testing, which is where they look for little pieces of protein uh, produced by the virus, uh, or they might do PCR testing, which is where they look for some of the genetic information in the virus and then uh, try to amplify that and see if it matches what they know the virus to be. That's, that's early on and that's in the acute phase. Later on, they may test for antibody testing to see if you had been exposed and mounted an immune response to the virus. And so okay. those, the, those are the basic types of testing. Yeah, because I've seen, again, the people who were against this talk about the, the nose swab. They're like, well, you can get DNA off a of mouse swab, so why do you need a nose swab for, to test for this? So... The, anytime you have testing, there's a couple of different uh, characteristics of the test that you look at, one of which that we particularly care about is the sensitivity, and that's the ability of the test to, to give you a positive result when the disease is present. And so if you have strep throat and I swab your forehead, that's probably going to be a negative test because I'm going to get better data if I go to where the money is. And so uh, if if the virus is most concentrated in your nasal passages and in the mucosa of your posterior nasal pharynx, uh, then yes, that's probably going to be the best place uh, to get it. And that's going to give us the highest sensitivity. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, could you maybe recover it? Maybe. Um, but the antigen testing is less sensitive anyway, uh, because it has to pick up enough of the virus particles, the protein uh, pieces to detect it. Uh, and so, so if we're doing the antigen testing, you really want to go where you're going to get the most sample. Okay. I, I was just curious. Um, and for those of you listening, you can listen to our other show with uh, Jill, who's a nurse and does all the testing in the DFW area um, to find out more about testing and stuff. So let's say come in, I get tested. I, I have uh, COVID or Corona, you know, whatever strain and stuff it is what's my, my next step at that point? So our, our primary consideration in the ER uh, is assessing whether or not you're going to require hospitalization and supplemental oxygen for this. 
there are just so many different manifestations that this disease can take. The, the primary ones that we're looking for are uh, lung problems that cause you to require extra oxygen in order to keep your oxygen levels at an acceptable level. Unfortunately, if you're not at that state, there's not a lot of treatments that we know to be beneficial. If you, if you do require supplemental oxygen or you're on a ventilator, there are some therapies that appear to be effective at reducing mortality. Um, but for people not requiring supplemental oxygen, there's really nothing we can prescribe or do other than um, symptomatic treatment, fluids and Tylenol and, and things of that nature. Okay. I just kind of and stay away from people. Like it's. And yeah, absolutely don't expose anyone. For the past three years, people have been sitting at home watching Netflix and now you tell them to and they. Been training for this moment for years. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, miss geeks and things like that, but Hey, it, it happens. <laughs> With, with mask, you know, um, like my wife, she's a hairdresser, so she has to come home every day, wash all her masks, her gowns, her schmucks, all that stuff. Um, where we are as of this recording, we're in late July. Schools are starting soon, and they're saying that kids 10 and up are going to have to wear masks. Um, obviously, you know, we're, if, if our kids go back, we're, that's still a debate we're having. Um, you know, a mask a day, I guess is kind of the way you want to go with that, right? Like at, at least one a day for when they're in school or? That, that, that's a good question and, and not one that I know that we have hard data on. Mm -hmm. um, uh, initially, there was a lot of concern about sterilizing masks and uh, exposing uh, people to the virus to what they call fomites, which is essentially objects uh, that the virus can live on. And we, we now believe that fomites are not a major source of transmission. And so there are cases where healthcare workers have used the same mask for weeks because that's all we had. Um, and so uh, if we have a mask a day, that's fantastic. Um, if we don't, there are really negligible risks. Uh, it's, it's really, I'm not aware of any definite risks from wearing the same mask. Um, for multiple days in a row. Okay, I was just curious. I mean, because kids are gross. I... Well, and, and kids are gross, and and they're not going to wear their masks. And uh, I, I, it's that's something that um, I think is well intentioned, but unlikely to play out very well. Yeah, I'm, and I, without going down this rabbit hole too far, you know, I feel bad for the teachers who at home the kids are being, you know, taught not to wear a mask, and they have to go to school. That'd be like at home. You know, you, your parents tell you two plus two is seven and then you go to school and teachers like, no, two plus two is four. And it's a whole, whole thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's another reason we're debating it. And I think it's really surprising. Um, one, how, how little trust I think that we've seen placed in people that have uh, spent their lives studying issues like this. Uh, you know, if a math teacher told me, you know, the integral of sine is whatever, I would, I would, okay, sure, that's, uh, and I don't have a visceral opinion that I am smarter than them in that area that that I should correct their misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the case here with with masks. Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, 
scary, but also kind of fascinating. You know, I, as somebody who likes to learn stuff, I I think it's, like I said, interesting to see all the different reactions and how things are evolving. Um, and this mask argument is definitely one of them, you know, seeing how people, yay mask, no mask. Um, to To kind of wrap us up here, a lot of companies like major corporations are requiring you to wear a mask in their store. Um, I just got an email from PetSmart. You know, I know Walmart, CVS, HEB, um, a lot of places are requiring you to wear a mask. One of the arguments I've seen is, well, if it's on my product, you know, the 80 people that touched my box of cereal in transit, well, what good is a mask going to do me? Um, and I know there's been studies as far as like how long it can live on different surfaces. Uh, again, a lot of those are kind of here and there. We're still trying to figure out because it depends on, you know, weather, atmosphere, temperature, stuff like that. What do you say to those people, you know, who are like, well, why should I wear a mask into grocery store? Because everyone else has touched the onions and then my sacker and my checkout person has touched the onion. And sure. if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Well, it's, uh, so there's a lot of different questions there, uh, I think. So one, I would say, um, wearing the mask is not all about protecting you. Um, you mentioned, you know, going to a hairdresser, the, the case where the hairdresser worked and had 140 clients um, while being positive for COVID, none of them became infected because she was wearing a mask. And so, uh, so I think if Walmart or PetSmart or Costco wants to say, we don't want you exposing our employees, I think that's a perfectly reasonable position uh, for them to take. And, and so it's, so the first thing I guess I would say is it's, it's not all about you. Um, you know, your actions can impact other people and cause them health risk. And so you may not intentionally go in, but asymptomatic spread of COVID is still possible. And so, and so for them to take that position to protect their employees, I think is tremendously uh, important. Uh, the, the second thing I would say is that, the virus surviving on surfaces for various lengths of time is not the same thing as saying that people contract the virus from touching different surfaces. And, and that's where um, at, at some level of science, you can make all sorts of theoretical arguments, but the proof is in the pudding. So, and with masks, we're finding that, you know, regardless of what you're saying about the size of the mask and the size of the particles of the virus, et cetera, we're seeing that wearing a mask results in about a 65% reduction of your likelihood of, of catching the virus. And that's, that's just reality as it is lived. Uh, and so um, could there be, could you potentially in a, in a controlled lab, laboratory setting on a metal surface, you know, get, detect the virus after a certain period of time? Possibly, but it doesn't seem in the real world that people touching your onions is going to be what takes you out. Um, it, it just does not seem to be a significant mechanism of protection. And, and I think, um, you know, to the argument that, well, if it's going to take me out, if, it's gonna, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. You do a lot of things um, that decrease your risk, even if they don't eliminate it completely. If you don't want to die in a car accident, never get in a car. But for most people, that's kind of unacceptable. So you wear your seatbelt, you get a car with a good safety rating with airbags and you drive the speed limit. And so it's about mitigating risk rather than eliminating it completely. And so um, I, 
if the option is maybe somebody touched my onions and I'm not wearing a mask, or maybe somebody touched my onions and I'm wearing a mask, I would much rather have the option of me wearing a mask because at least that decreases the risk of me catching it from droplets, which is the most likely means of transmission. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and again, thank you so much for doing this. I've learned a lot. It's, you know, I, I'm used to asking the questions and you giving me the answers, but that's a whole different scenario than this. Um, we're, we're geeks who drink trivia friends. That's how, how I got him. So, well, yeah, just like longer than I've known my wife, but, yeah. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for doing this. Um, stay safe out there. Thank you for all you do. And um, if the folks at home have any questions, are there any good websites or resources that aren't YouTube that they can check out that you know of? Absolutely. I, I would go to the websites that are curated by the people who know the most about this topic. And that's going to be typically the CDC, um, the NIH, um, reputable uh, healthcare organizations like Mayo, Harvard, etc. I, I would go to those because they're going to review the data they're putting online uh, by people who are experts in that field. And so um, that's, that's how science works is that you get people who know what they're doing and then you let other people look at their work and you see, they see if they agree and if what they're saying is true. Um, whereas something on a blog, something on YouTube, there's no way to really uh, assess the credibility of that evidence. Yeah. And so I, so I would rely on, on those uh, on reputable websites. Awesome. And that, that's why I wanted to have you on here because I can sit here and talk and I'm just a podcaster and I know that, like, I know I'm not now, if we were talking, like I said, Batman or something, sure. I'm a little more of an expert there, but for Matt, I wanted to have you, you on here, but again, Trey, thank you so, so very much. Um, all of you listening, check out those websites, educate yourself, learn, wear a mask. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. So, there it was. We, we saw and learned about, you know, covering your whole face versus part of your face being sealed, like have a tight seal for people's facial hair, what it means, what it, what it all means in everything. And a lot of great resources, CDC and stuff, peer reviewed journals, things to look at. So hopefully, like, like I said at the top of the show, that you learned something, you can take that and make yourself better. I want to thank all of our guests this week. It was a lot of fun, you know, talking about stuff like this. It's serious and can be depressing, uh, but, you know, it was educational. And I, as weird as it is to say, I had fun with it. And I hope you all did too. Let me know. Uh, make sure you follow us everywhere out there on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Just look for The Night Nerd. Or you can email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitch, Nightnerd Podcast. Just look for Nightnerd. You'll find us. Otherwise, that's going to do it for me today. Again, my name is Lance. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. M to the A to the S to the K. Put the mask on your face just to make your next day. Fit.